Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Our events are dwindling down. We're coming to the end of that now. Just pack it back full of more stuff. Dwindling down. Well, the big ones are coming. <laughs> no, the amount of events we have oh, left. Yeah. Yeah, we got to have a little recovery time after the crawfish boil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But what's left on the events coming up would be the uh, April twenty first is the Ducks Unlimited dinner. And you, they, I just saw that uh, Joey posted the the twenty dollar all you can drink cups, yeah. bottomless cups, the blue this year. I guess last year they're green, I believe. Pretty sure. Yeah. Going to the printer. Yep. So. Um, we've got a couple folks that have, are definitely going to be at our table. Uh, Deidre. Sid uh, Curtis bought a ticket. Sid Curtis just yep. bought one, and then Al Solano. So uh, some folks, Jake Bigby's on the maybe. We'll see. He was saying he wanted to go. He's trying to go. Yeah, man, I hope so. Uh, but uh, you're buying a ticket from the UPONation.co website, then you're buying just a regular ticket to the Ducks Unlimited Dinner. All the money you spend there, it's the same price as you would buy a ticket from the chapter. All that money goes back to the chapter. But the difference is you're reserving a seat at the Under Pressure Outdoors Nation table. So you're sitting with some people you might know. Uh, you're sitting at the rowdy table for sure. There, there may be a donor that might help help subsidize some of those cups too, for those that attend. Maybe. Good lord, are they going to subsidize the Ubers afterwards too? Because you go, you go to that, and when they say That's bottomless the cup, part. you say bottomless cup, you walk up there and you're like, let me get a let me get a Jack and Coke, and they take that bottomless cup and they fill it up with Jack and then hand you a Coke in a can. Well, they'll ask you how much you want. <laughs> you, you could you could set that cup down and tell them you want it neat, <laughs> and they fill it up too. <laughs> So. It gets rowdy. Mm-hmm. It can. It can, but it's a really good time. It's for a good cause, and if you wanted to win some guns, that's the place to be. Good Lord. How many guns they got up there to give away this year? I think we're at 16, and that's not counting the trips or all the other coolers and accoutrements. That there's a lot. Like, you know, it's you, you almost, from a standpoint of raising money for charity, you almost want there to be too many people and not enough goods so that, there's lots of people bidding on the goods and they go for high prices. 
I think we're going to be inverse this year. I think we're going to have we got so much stuff that if you, you this is this is the one you go to if you want to walk away with a couple of deals. Then after that is the fifth annual Swanee River Fishing Expedition, which we're Ooh. like, today is 28, 29 days out? 27, I 27 think. 27 days. days out. Well, under 30 days. Got my chariot. Do you, you saw, did you see me and Jordan? Oh, we were on TikTok Live last night. I know Brandon saw us out there running the uh, grinder, cutting up bed rail. Boy, those mics got loud when you started turning that grinder on. That's what I told him. I was like, man, I wonder oh, how loud these yeah. things are going to get when I turn that grinder on. Could you hear me talking crap about him when I walked around the corner to go get beer, though? That was all I want to know. Um, or were you in there at that point? I probably wasn't in there. Unless you were doing it while you couldn't even hear anything. Oh, he wasn't grinding because I he definitely okay. wasn't grinding when I was doing that. I hopped in when he started measuring. And he screwed up his measuring at some point. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know what? In the end, everything fit. What are you building? We're we're making a. Uh, we took the plastic seats off of there, and we're the back. We're putting millennium seats in the canoe. Oh, that's oh. not even fair. Well, it's perfectly okay. fair. That's too comfortable. Yes, yeah. no, it's perfectly that's fair. Perfectly fair. This is but, getting pretty cush. You got guys no, bringing trolling motors. Cush, I'm still okay. paddling. seats. Pretty soon there'll be water beds. No. All we had <laughs> we had last year was something that was kind of close, but it wasn't. It just wasn't a millennium seat. So we said this year we pulled the plastic, just pulled the plastic off of the metal, and then we got to add a. All we have to do is scoot William's seat a little bit further forward, about four inches. Yeah. You know, four trips from now we're going to have chase trucks delivering pizza ovens. Yep. <laughs> to the stops, right? Like, but I just want to be comfortable. That's the only thing we're changing, though, is the seats. Yeah. Everything else is going to be the same as last year. But if we, can't, if we can't become models for Millennium again after we figure out how to fit them in a canoe, then I don't know what's going to get us back on there. Are you? Yeah. I am not. Are you drinking whiskey out of a Waffle House cup? I am. That's something else right there. That's my new whiskey cup. That's pretty fitting. Yeah. With the Waffle House cup. So, <laughs> did you boys see the, those guys that wrote that Waffle House song? No, no, I missed uh, the Waffle House song. I'll have to send it to you. I need to find it's that. It's freaking hilarious. I seen a. Uh, Not I only am I drinking whiskey out of a Waffle House cup, it's a limited edition Waffle House cup. Ooh. We're uh, slightly off subject, but I've seen a post today on Facebook where a new Waffle House opened up somewhere, and it was like a bunch of little like skinny white girls and stuff when they're working. And people were like, I think you need to hire new staff. None of these look like they can fight. <laughs> <laughs> And then I want them a- ashing in my scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way Waffle House You just think be. it's salt and pepper. <laughs> and then after the Swanee River trip is concluded, then we roll right into the crawfish bowl a couple weeks later. When, good Lord, and, you know, I know we said it once, we'll say it again. When we said there is over $20,000 in prizes to give away, we literally added everything up, and it is over $20,000. Yeah, we had a dude buy eight tickets this uh, this week. Nice. One guy bought eight tickets. Uh, some we also got. A, we had we had our first couple people buy mud run only tickets. They didn't crawfish. Mm. Oh, kind I was like, they will once the mud runs over. <laughs> oh, one one of them they bought a combo ticket and then a mud run only ticket, and then somebody else just bought a mud run only ticket. The only thing I could figure is that. Oh, you know what? I, I have, don't like crawfish. Well, I, I have talked to some people who were were like, I want to do the mud run and I eat the crawfish, but my girlfriend or whoever is allergic to. Shellfish. Crawfish, shellfish. And I'm like, well, I can understand that. We'll make you a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I encourage I, those people I talk to. Is like, look, man, we're not making 
anything really other than crawfish, but the Jolly Gators there, and they've got great food, and I'm sure they would appreciate your Patriot. Yeah, hallelujah. Going up there and buying some food from them and coming and hanging out with us. You're more than welcome to buy food at the Jolly Gator if you don't want to eat crawfish and come buy some raffle tickets. Yeah. Uh, But you're not getting crawfish without paying for your crawfish bowl tickets. That's right. So We'll have bouncers. Yeah. (laughs) Like like we're going to have, what's his name from Roadhouse? Dang it. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, we have him there from Roadhouse. <laughs> no, man, I want the uh, the office linebacker. <laughs> you see somebody without a wristband plucking a crawfish off a tray and pow! Damn. You know? Woo! <laughs> 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 oh, but so your $40 gets you in for the crawfish boil or $40 gets you in for the poker run. 60 bucks gets you a combo ticket. Kids 12 and under, I believe, are free. It's something like that. Yeah, and there's also a youth ticket that's less expensive, but I don't know that price off the top of my head. But you can scroll down to the podcast description and find tickets to the Crawfish Bowl. The link to the ticket's right there, and that'll have all the information you need. So we are joined by... I also, guess, don't forget, uh, if you are willing, we could need some more volunteers. Oh, yes. We need yes, to share that to the Under Pressure Outdoors Nation page. Yes. How many more volunteers are we looking for? Dozens. Yeah. <laughs> I think parking's taken care of. Yeah, I mean, I bouncers. Think dozens. Yeah, we yeah. Bouncers. bouncers though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get by no matter what, right? Because people, we just kind of yeah. cultivate that crew that steps up when they're needed. But right. it'd be nice to have a more coordinated effort. If we knew if we knew you're going to help, and you let us know that you'd like to help, it makes us easier to then communicate back to you, so that it's less chaotic and and you're not just sweating and working it's like you want to have fun while you're there right yeah. well if you give me a link for that i'll start putting that in the podcast description as well so people listening are going to be here and want to volunteer to help with the crawfish bowl but there's like a website it's a google document right yes um, so i should be able to get a link from you i'll go th- i have to go through and take out what's been used so that way people know what's going on okay what yeah. we need but that'd be easy enough real quick do you want to come be the gentleman start your engines guy well, he's kind of coming from oh, Missouri. Yeah, he would have no, to come from long Missouri. Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, if I could have gotten off work, I would be there. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a blast. It has been traditionally in the past been a just a freaking jam up time, and we haven't had it this big in the past. Um, we've definitely grown in size and size of venue and and everything else. And I mean, we were cooking in two hundred quart pots last year. This year, we're in a trailer where we can cook six hundred pounds of crawfish at a time. And we need some more folks in the kitchen for sure. So we got over a hundred people are going to be there and we're still six weeks out. And normally we don't hardly sell any tickets till like two weeks before. Yeah. So, and that doesn't count all the tickets being sold at the church. So there there could conceivably be right now 300 tickets sold already. That's terrifying. It's It's exciting. It's absolutely awesome. It goes to a good cause and we've got, we got the peeps to run it. So we're ready. And dude, we already gave away a freaking custom hunting rifle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, Bill Stewart, once again. And then we're still giving away uh, a mud motor. Uh, I mean, this is podcast land, so it, it may be gone by the time you hear this. <clears throat> it could be sold out. There's only less than a hundred tickets left for that. Out of a hundred tickets, so it's a you said twenty three horse mud walker surface drive. Yeah, there's yeah. seventy six tickets left. Okay. That's it. And they're 50 bucks a piece. Yeah. So, and I believe Sid said he'll ship it. No, but you're paying you, for you have to you pay, gotta, he'll yeah. package it for shipping. You pay for shipping. Yeah. yeah. It's a Which, few hundred bucks, but I mean, come on, you're getting a 
couple thousand dollars worth of motor there for a few hundred bucks if you had to yeah. for shipping. Mm-hmm. That's worth it. Yeah. Worth it. Doesn't matter. I'm going to win anyway. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, Bill won that rifle on two tickets. I'm, I'm counting on that mud motor on look, one. Look, Maybe I bought two. that one ticket from my dad that he wanted, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to laugh if that one ticket for my dad and he won it yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the mud he motor? pulled a camera gordon no for the rifle no, for the rifle oh, oh, yeah. okay but we had I, so, we said i'm sorry one last thing we had somebody buy a mud motor ticket as an anonymous donor i don't know what to do with that <laughs> if they win i'm taking it put my name on it if they win i guess we're just like thanks thank you very much anonymous donor but we're redrawing yeah yeah so if you if you buy a ticket uh, for our mud motor, and you don't put your name in, it becomes a donation. But we're still going to draw for it. It's still going into the odds. Uh, we'll see. So your odds are actually 1 in 99 then? Yes. Not 1 in 100? Basically, yeah. Is it 100 yeah. or 150 tickets? No, it's 100. 100? 100, 100 tickets. But it's 99 technically since somebody bought one as an anonymous donor. Yeah. Yeah. He just helped somebody out. <laughs> Well, I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jordan here tonight. I'm here. Let's get it. I got Jim. Yes, sir. The prodigal son, Briar, has returned. How y'all doing? Finally. And uh, we're joined by somebody, I guess, he's he he's a bit famous. Infamous. 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 <laughs> Famously famous. Brandon with HuntWorks. You guys have probably seen HuntWorks, Hunt WRX on TikTok. Uh, and uh, he gets himself in trouble for acting like he does things he's not supposed to. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, I uh, definitely get some heat on TikTok and all of the platforms for the stuff that I post about. So, what's amazing though is if you watch your stuff, it's clearly a gag. Oh yeah, I, I, but you say I that think... now. I want you you say that, Jim. But I, he's talking about people getting upset at him about trespassing. But if you notice in the background there, he has the no trespassing signs he took down in order to say <laughs> it wasn't posted. <laughs> See him yeah, on his wall back there? <laughs> you, see, you see that one right there? That one says end of public use area. Yeah. I found, it in the, I found it in the trash, but I did a video where a guy, I filmed it, and I turned the camera to me, and I said, if anybody speaks Spanish, will you let me know what that says, please? Yeah. <laughs> that one, people hated that one. That was bad. We've got, we've got so many signs like that in here. There's a, there's a road close to vehicles over there. Uh, that says close to hunting and trapping. Dogs, guns, trapping devices not allowed. That's a state force boundary. That's a cutting boundary. And another posted state that's force a, boundary. Yeah, there. That's a wildlife yeah. management area boundary. Yeah. So, m- most of our signs were actually given to us by agencies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a brand new all, state force boundary that was given to us. Yeah. That yeah. All the ones I have were either in the trash or I bought them. So no stealing. <laughs> no stealing. This weekend in Georgia, I saw a, a post that was laying over and had a sign on it. And... I was on that thing like a beeline thinking, oh, another sign. Ah, turned it over. And it was so, I couldn't even tell what it was. It was just sun, it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just an, but at one point, it was probably a I will no say, trespassing sign. Now that our statute of limitations is gone, there used, we used to have a spring near the house as a kid that had a huge sign that said, no swimming. And we would go down there and shake the four by four, pull the whole sign out of the ground, throw it in the woods, and then go swimming. <laughs> it was past the designated swimming area. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you I'm know, thinking. if they ever pass RHA legislation, 
with the signs and they have to be posted. I'm not advocating this. It, it's going you to happen. know that's going to happen. Yeah. Dude's going to be out there at night like cutting torches. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the private around here, they, I mean, they want you to know that you can't hunt on it. Every tree along the fence row has got no trespassing signs. So do you guys have ridiculous? Do you guys have the purple paint law? Yes. So they can just put purple paint instead of the no trespassing signs. Yep. Arkansas, yeah. the like whole forest. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the like jerk farmers like to do both, just to make sure that you know you can't go in there. <laughs> well, yeah. like just in case you miss the sign, the tree's purple too. Or you know the fence. Like most people have got mapping these days, like they can look and see. Well, you know, you talk about mapping though, and we hunted some uh, public land up in Tennessee where Onyx showed the boundary a little bit further than we're used. We're counter referencing Onyx with Avenza Maps. I don't know if you've ever used that before, mm-hmm. but Avenza Maps allows you to download uh, like the state agency's wildlife management area map. And then it uses your oh. GPS location on top of it. So we walked, I walked to the edge of Onyx and then I pulled up a Venza and I was over the property line. I looked back and then I can see a clear line, uh, like a trail where they once had a fire break on the property line. And I was over the property line. Onyx said I was, you know, on the property. They also have a disclaimer that says, don't use our maps to. Yeah. Well, I can tell you around here, like Southwest Missouri, you will not find a piece of public where the farmers and the private landowners have not put up a fence. They, none of it's open. There's no way that you can walk off of public accidentally and be on private. So we do not want people on their land. Where we were at the, the private land started about halfway down the ridge. So their fence was down on the pasture area. And then you had 40 yard buffer, a ridge line, before you actually got to their fence. Gotcha. Oh, they don't care around here. <laughs> they do not care. <laughs> it could be a mountain and they'll have a fence on it somehow, some way. I've seen fence posts sideways down a hill. <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem, though, with a guy who owns his land and, and then is playing by the rules and properly posts his property. You know, but at the same time, oh, yeah. I feel I am absolutely... So as firm as I believe in private property rights, I also very much believe in public property rights, right? So I will, I feel very strongly both ways. I will fight strongly for somebody to be able to protect their private property rights, and I'll also fight just as strongly to to protect the fact that we do have public land, and I think it's necessary. Right. You know? I just saw a thing on Facebook, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but I was looking at dang hunts in. Uh, it's basically like a short term lease. But there was a five-day land hunt. trust. Land trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a five-day hunt in Ohio for bow season. It was like five hundred and ninety bucks a person for up to five people, and you get their two hundred and forty-acre farm for five days between this date and this date for five hundred bucks a person. I was like, that's really not a bad deal. Yeah. Nope. Because once you get there, you buy your license. The Ohio license for out of state is pretty cheap. Tate, going back to that, similar things like those guys, and we had. Ryan Parsons in here, right? Because he had family that had a ranch in Montana. We asked, well, how about, why don't you, why don't you give it a public access easement? And he explained, because it genuinely devalues, right? You've now made what was private public, and the privateness 
adds tremendous market value to the property. So these folks out west that are actually doing that, that are granting easements through their private property so you can access otherwise um, locked up public land, you know, either, you know, that's kind of related to the corner hopping issue, but there's places where there's public land that you literally can't get to because on four sides, it's all private. Those guys that are granting access to that, that's an enormous gift because it does, it does develop, devalue your property. You know what? It removes the exclusivity of it, but there's people that are willingly do it and those people aren't getting celebrated enough. No. Well, it's a big I've gift. got like an exact issue like that around me where there's a probably 400 acre piece of conservation land and it's landlocked by three farmers who do not want anybody using it for access. And then one guy who's in a neighborhood who has, I think he has 10 acres that goes up to it. And last year or the year before last, he let me go out there and bow hunt and turkey hunt on it. Well, his HOA found out that he was letting me park in his driveway and then walk out onto his piece of property that he gave me permission on then to walk onto conservation land. And this year I asked him about coming back and turkey hunting and uh, the HOA is threatening to fine him if he lets people park it in his yard or in his driveway and walk to the conservation area. He has to physically get out and walk them the two minutes to the fence, drop them off and then pick them back up and walk them all the way back so that the HOA doesn't get mad about it. Is it a gated property? No. It's just a neighborhood with maybe 10 houses in it. Ah, Maybe. You know, I'm I'm not an attorney, and you got to look at that stuff, obviously, but I'm relatively certain if it's not gated, that's a public road. And then he that public road leads to his private land. That would be the equivalent to me saying, I don't like the people that are coming over to your house to use your swimming yeah. pool, right? Or I don't like the people yeah. coming over to your house to watch your television when there's a football game, right? And, and yeah. I know people might delineate, but there's not. They're powerless to stand on that. Now, the guy might still not let you in because he just doesn't want to catch shit from his neighbors. But I am well, 99% sure that guy ain't got anything to worry about. Fine. No, and I think that's more of it. And I don't know what the, I don't know the HOA rules whatsoever, but I think he's just more worried about him getting, you know, the heat for it. He's a really nice guy, and he's like, man, if you want to get out here, you just text me when you're going to be here. And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm there an hour and a half before daylight. Sometimes they're an hour. If I'm running late, I might be 30 minutes before daylight. And I don't want you waking up at 4 a.m. And me being late, you know, it's just a different. Man, I wish I, I, I was that guy. The, that's like it, yeah. if you say, if, if you say oh, you walked me there, then I say you walked me there, and you know that's all that matters. Yeah, <laughs> I told him that. I was like, I can tell him you walked me out there, man. He's like, no, 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 I'll walk you out there. And this was for youth. This was just happened last week for youth turkey, and he texted me two nights before and said that his HOA is not letting him do it. I would love mm. to be that guy. I live yeah. in an HOA neighborhood, and I really don't have any problem with the rules, and I understand why they're away. Can't have sheds and stuff. Um. But man, when all of a sudden that what I refer to as the like measure and the length of your, you know, <laughs> that you haven't mowed your yard, people, yeah, mm. or the your pickup truck's too big to be parked in your driveway, people, mm. I just I couldn't do it. I harangue I got a, I got those a question. people. I got a question, Jim. <laughs> at uh, 
at one point, what what point is it considered uh, trespassing for them to walk into your yard? So, I, and I asked this because I'm, I'm wondering if you could mow like two strips that way you cover the easement, and then cut your grass if it's got to be four inches, cut it at four and a half. That way, when they come and say they measured it, you're like, well, you were trespassing. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are because uh, I've seen them. Yeah. Unfortunately, my neighbor, my neighbor passed away, so now his son lives there, and he, and. My neighbor used to park his work truck in his driveway, which was already against HOA, but he did it and nobody complains. He was a nice guy and he helped everybody out, right? Again, you're a nice guy. You break right. the rules, but you come over, help everybody's AC, and they just look the other way, which is the problem with all these type of things, right? Um, but now my neighbor has passed on and his work truck is getting, it's looking a little bit decrepit, but you have to, re- just the way his house is situated, unless you're parked right in front of his house, you can't see it. Right, and it doesn't bother me, and it doesn't bother the other neighbor on either side. So, really, in my opinion, the only people that should have a legitimate right to complain would be two of us, and we don't care. Like, I feel bad that he's gone, and, and the son will eventually get rid of the truck when he feels like it. The other day, I saw a lady with a note clip, little clipboard, and I know they're going to rain on him. Right there. there's a work, there's a work truck in the driveway been there for 30 years now they're gonna pick on them that's ridiculous that's, yeah. that's yeah, the kind people of people just mind, mind their own business yeah and just like don't bother me i'm good unless your trash is in my yard whatever yeah i mean there's other things that unfortunately this particular house has but and i've forgive me i'm getting a little about just human people in general right i know that the kid's father died now he has this house and he's young, and he might not have the ability to keep it up, and he's not hiring a yard guy, so the the stuff around, the bushes around the house right. are in terrible things. I, I got to go over there and knock on the door and be like, hey, man, I'll tell you what, man, I, let me handle it. Give me permission to come in and trim up your bushes. It's not that expensive, or I can get out there and do it myself, right? And, th- and I think that's the way that if we all just handle things a little bit better like that, hell, if we all handle things like that, we probably need a whole, a whole lot less regulation and laws. Yeah. And maybe we wouldn't have to worry about public and private and all those other things. I rest. That was going to say, so So to get us back on track a little bit here, uh, Brandon, I want to know a little bit about, so your your TikTok is obviously hunting-based or outdoors. Yes. Uh, I mean, how did you, how'd you get into hunting? Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel. From business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters, we all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050, or... 
1-800-242-1527 or email roman at romanvhamas.com. That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N-V-H-A-M-M-E-S dot com. Offices Florida and South Carolina. So I was about 12 before I actually like went hunting for my first time. I was terrified of going for some reason. I think it was just, I don't know, something in my head. I just was scared to death to go. Red Ended Max. up going. Yeah. <laughs> There's rednecks out there. <laughs> and uh, killed a deer. And I, I wouldn't say I was hooked, but I kept going after that. But up until I was about 16 or 17, it was just me going like opening weekend of rifle season. It wasn't, I wasn't into it. It was just kind of just to go because I almost felt like I had to go. So I took a break for a couple of years, just only going like maybe one day. I'd drive down there for a day, stay the night, go hunting the next morning and then come home. Just wasn't into it. And uh, then I got into bow hunting. I watched a YouTube video. Um, I think it was Tim Wells was the video. And watched a video of him bow hunting some monkey somewhere. I don't know what it was, but I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I started shooting my bow and I told myself, I'm going to go bow hunting this year. One, you get like three extra months a season and two, like nobody in my family really bow hunted that much. So I didn't think there was going to be like a bunch of people out there and there wasn't, it was great, but I had to start from ground zero on kind of learning how to hunt. I had been hunting quite a bit, but just wasn't paying attention enough to pick up on things. I didn't know why my dad would sit me in one spot and then be like, deer going to come this way. Be ready. <laughs> this guy's a genius. What is he talking about? And a deer would come out and I'd miss and be like, how, how'd you know that deer was going to come out that way? And so when I started bow hunting and really just diving just headfirst into all of this, that's when I started picking up things. So I've been doing that for three, this will be my fourth year, um, like do, bow hunting and like third year, really doing it seriously. First year I went out for a couple of weeks during early season and then just waited till rifle season came along, but it's been a huge learning curve. So fortunately you, you mentioned like, I find it funny. You say that, that your dad was like, the deer are going to come this way and then they just appear and you're like, Oh, that's yeah. a miracle. How, he's, how does he know that? Uh, I got to cut my teeth on teaching someone how to hunt with a grown man. So before I had kids, I had a, a good buddy that started hunting with me and his experience hunting prior to hunting with me was he would go with his uncle and his uncle would stop at the gas station, pick up a six pack of tall boys. And if the uh, deer was on the passenger side of the truck, he could rest on the window. If on the driver's side, he rested on his uncle's arm on the steering wheel. So he had no idea how to hunt other than to do that. And yeah. I took him out to the woods and having a teaching a grown man i'm like all right you just sit here because the deer is going to come out from over there and he would say why and i'm like oh you know what that's a good point i probably should tell you yeah. and show you what i see so now when i take my kid out i'm like hey look this is this is what you're looking for this is why you want to sit here so on and so forth but yeah oh. and nothing against my dad i think he was just you know just doing it because he i mean I could have went hunting more with him. Right. Don't get me wrong. So it's not just on him, and he did nothing wrong. 
but I took my little brother out youth hunting for turkey season. We get one weekend for youth here, and I've never hunted a youth turkey season in my life. The two birds that I've killed have been like during the regular season. And so I made sure when I was telling him how things worked and what to look for, and found a lot of deer sign and turkey sign was just, I wanted to tell him this is how it works. This is why right. they do this from my experience. I'm no export like on any of this, but it, it's definitely different than what I've, I've found I, myself more now explaining to people instead of just saying, this is what you need to do. It's, this is what you need to do. And this is why you should do it. Yeah. Uh, they're bedding over here. Yeah. So their food's over here. There's a pond over on that side. So they're going to come wherever. Right. You know, instead of sit right here, they're going to either come from your left or your right. Your wind's going behind you, so you're good. I, I found it pretty crazy because this, this past season was really my first season, like, hard, dedicated, trying to hunt my home state of Florida. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, we always grew up hunting a lease in Georgia. And I found it pretty crazy how I, I've always known, like, the fundamental, the basics of hunting but how much it changes from going to hunting like a lease in Georgia to hunting public land in Florida. There's days where I'm going out and I feel like I know absolutely nothing. I'm like, I I don't know how these animals work different here than private land in Georgia. And it's, it changes from pieces of public too. Yeah. I mean, when you hunt one for six, the only six years of your life you hunted and you aren't paying attention when you get into it and you find out there's these maps that show you where other pieces are, I thought that those are the only places you can hunt in Missouri on public lands. <laughs> I didn't know you could, you know, go over to these spots or whatever. And you just get there and you have no idea what you're doing. And so I've got a different mindset on things and how I try to tell people how things work. And you look at me and I'm, I'm a little bit of a gearhead, So I've got like a bunch of fancy stuff, but I'm still learning, like really learning how things work. And I make stupid mistakes and pass on deer that probably shouldn't. So I'm 52. I, I say mm-hmm. the same. I'm still learning and I still make stupid mistakes. Yep. Oh, every single mm-hmm. year. Every single year. I, I hope I'm saying that when I'm 82. I did it. Uh, I did it turkey season. I mean, I still make plenty of stupid, stupid mistakes turkey hunting. <laughs> uh, Jordan made one. I mean, it's all good. I made yeah. one. I'll tell it later. It was. Little kid mistake. It was so terrible. <laughs> but <clears throat> so you uh, started turkey. You started turkey hunting. Started deer. You started hunting when you were about twelve, and then you got into mm-hmm. bow hunting. And uh, that when did you when did you get into bow hunting? So let me do the math here. It's twenty three, twenty eight. So I think it was fall twenty twenty is when I got into it. Oh, the big rush Not- for the woods. Yes, and it wasn't, it might have been, yeah, it was 20. And it wasn't any reason to do with that because I was still working and we were still living our lives as normal. So not a whole lot changed. But that falls when I decided to go out. And like, I'd shoot my bow, practice with field points, it hit good. I killed a doe that year. And that's the only deer I've killed with my bow is that year, 2020. And I've not hunted, I killed a buck with the rifle that fall. And ever since then, I've not went out into the woods with a rifle. Just because I passed on a pretty decent buck because he was at 15 yards. I was sitting in my saddle and it just did not feel right to shoot a buck with a rifle at 15 yards 
perfect shot to your left. But I've just, I mean, trying my hardest just to get out there and kill him with a bow again. He's a, a catch, he's a catch and release hunter. I guess yes. so. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the biggest bucks I killed, I killed at 30 yards with a 12-gauge slug gun. Could have shot him with a bow. Yeah. I, I could I shot him once at 30 yards and, and another time at 15 yards when he stopped the second. That was insurance the second yeah. time. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but something in you is just, it just didn't feel, I wasn't shaking. I wasn't excited, nothing. And I killed that doe a few weeks beforehand. There was just no excitement in my, my body in that buck. Wow. And he wasn't. He's maybe a 100-inch buck. But, I mean, if I had my bow, he would have been dead already yeah. sitting there thinking about it. And I told myself after that, I'm not going back out until I kill a buck with my bow. And I, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> I killed my first deer with a bow in 2012, which was a doe. And then about three weeks later, shot a nice eight point with a bow yeah. the same year. I think we should all hunt the way we want to hunt, but I thank God I am not afflicted with that problem. Dude, let me <laughs> tell you, I love, I, this, this is the thing. I love bow hunting just like I love turkey hunting. I just don't like doing it in Florida because it's so freaking hot. Yeah. yeah that is <laughs> when, I, when I was living in Tennessee and Kentucky, I loved bow hunting up there, man, because you get out there and it's like season opens up. The high is 78. The low is 45 and in the evenings it's nice and cool the mornings it's cool it warms up enough in the day down in florida opening day of deer season it's like 99 yeah Yeah. with a low of 94 (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh in south florida yeah well even here last weekend in july yeah yeah and I'm not against anybody rifle hunting. Oh, I know me either but (laughs) I'm, i'm glad you pass on deer at 15 yards yeah. I'll shoot them. I'll shoot them at sixteen when they come past yeah, me. I'll, I'll sit next to you any day. See, I'm, ask I'm Will. Opposite. Everybody says if I don't shoot him, the neighbor will. Oh yeah, let me tell you, Jim will Jim will burn your doe tag for you. <laughs> I've never been a fan of that. If I don't shoot him, the neighbor will like mentality. Just yeah. doesn't matter, well, man. It it doesn't matter, but if you do, then you're that neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the last person to give you crap. What what deer you shoot? Spike, fork, and horn, whatever. But you just shoot it if you want to shoot it. Yeah, if it makes you happy, yeah. squeeze the trigger. Yeah, Briar shot, shot a big old doe. Well, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did shoot a doe last fall, but I hit her high, and we went in too early. It, it was one of these big old does. Yeah, where you know, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Where you start out, it was a big, and then, you know, it just, as you get closer, it gets a lot smaller. It didn't even turn out yeah. to be a doe, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish it had that much. It, it really just had nuts. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Still antlerless. Yeah, exactly. It identified as a doe. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> but I'm going to start identifying as a youth. And I shot her high, and we went back in a couple hours later. Didn't find any blood where I saw her walk run off, but I was using a light and knock and I didn't get a full pass through. Buried up to the fletchings. When I say I shot high, to me, it looked like two or three inches high, not six, eight inches high. And went back in there and looked, found quite a bit of blood where like you could tell she was bleeding out of her nose. It wasn't really single lung. Yeah. And I think we kept bumping her and bumping her. So we left, came back the next morning, Been found there. some more blood. 
and we never ended up finding her. You know, through the thickest nat, we could have walked right past her, thick nasty stuff. So, I had a I hunted a piece of public for a while that required you to be out of the woods ninety minutes after sunset, or you could get a ticket. And if you weren't at the check station before that ninety minutes, like I watched people, me pulling into the check station. And I watched the game warden walk down the line of trucks in line, mind you, and go, this is the cutoff point. Or not the game warden didn't do that, but the, the lady at check this is the cutoff point. And he just starts writing tickets, bam, 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 truck after truck, because they weren't there in time. I was like, that's really ridiculous. That's a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah that's... And I, I and that has caused it caused us to bump push deer that we wouldn't otherwise have let set because if we don't find this deer quick we enough get to get it out of the woods to get it back to the check station, we in trouble. Yeah, so then do you have to in turn check back? Do you have to try to check back into that that area the next so, day? I did have an instance like that when I shot that doe. And I called the game warden and said, I can't find this deer. Uh, because it got dark and I didn't have a good enough flashlight to find her. And he the, the spot I was hunting was closed. And he let me back in there the next day. Wow. Even though it was close to look for my deer, and she was thirty yards from where I stopped. So I, yeah, I would say I guess as long as you you notify them and keep them up to date, they're probably not against. That I mean, they don't want your game to go to waste. So right, yeah, right. But getting a hold That's of them is not always the easy easy part. I mean, so how? Yeah, other than we spoke a little bit about public land in Missouri, but I mean, what are some of the challenges you've dealt with that? People. On public land. Yeah. <laughs> Around me, within a couple hours of me, during rifle season, it is scary to be out on public land. Because <laughs> even if you're... I've gotten out like two and a half hours before it. Like way before you should be out there. Walk out, get in the tree, and if I'm in my saddle, I really can't sleep. But, you know, or sleep at the base of a tree for a little bit. I've slept in my truck in the parking lot till about an hour and a half before... Uh, Sunrise, walk out there, and no matter what point I'm at, if I hunt that piece two or three times within a couple weeks, somebody is going to walk underneath me. I could be at the very, like, just the ass crack of public land, and somebody would walk underneath me. And I don't know why, but I just, it always, and I try to go off the trails, and I think people are just moving out further to hunt public land deer. But I don't go out very much on public during rifle season. I've had too many bullets whiz past me and people yelling and running. It's scary. Oh, so you can thank uh, e-bikes for people trying to get further out. Yeah. It'll, co- it'll come full circle, though, eventually. Because e-bikes will come. Because right now they're pretty expensive, right? But eventually they'll get cheap enough. I mean, I see, and I've seen some people that I'm pretty sure are homeless riding e-bikes. And I'm like, maybe I need to start panhandling just to buy an e-bike. But if they become cheap enough, then everybody will own one, and then you can just hunt deer 30 yards from the truck. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. I mean, me and Jordan think, me and Jordan last year I, hunted over a hiking trail. Saw a buck. Saw a buck. Really? Literally had people hiking underneath of us, talking, just complaining sprayed, about their sisters yeah. and mother-in-laws, and going, literally walked direct, well, 30 yards from me, underneath him. I was sitting, I was not that covered at all, but I was still probably like 30 foot up a pine tree, because I didn't have much cover, so I tried to get up nice and high, and uh, they literally walked directly underneath me, and never once saw me. That orange on, 
everything. I think we make a big to do about a lot of that, but you know, if you hunt enough, you realize that it doesn't matter. A lot of times, a deer hold, or you know, you've I've walked in to a place, clumped up a tree or whatnot, or climbed up into a ladder stand, gotten situated, and then had a deer. In one case, I had a deer start tending itself while it was bedded, and then stood up and I shot it. I've had I've climbed up and then had deer. Within 35 yards, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of does stand up at once. Like, I've been there half an hour. Whoop! And you're like, whoop! <laughs> you yeah, can see them until they stood up. And they didn't leave. Right? They must have known I was there. I am sure that because I was quiet, that maybe that's why they left when they chose to leave, is they didn't like something around, or maybe they smelled me. But I hadn't moved in such time, they decided to stand up and leave. Right? And then other times, we hunt the hunters because they squirt. Right? We've done... We, we did that, that that year I smoked your doe tag. Mm-hmm. We hunted the outskirts, figuring hopefully they'd push deer out, and they did. It worked. I'm people going back to the corners. I don't think it's like the properties issue or their mindset, but these properties are not very big. And when I'm going out to hunt public, if there's one truck in there, I think about leaving because unless I'm pulling up at the same time as that guy, or I catch him, or he catches me before. I walk into the woods or I catch him before he walks into the woods and we can talk about it, especially during deer season. If it's big enough for two people to bow hunt and we're going to opposite ends, that's fine. But during rifle season, there was a piece I went to. Um, I want to say it's roughly like 1500 acres, 15, 1800 acres, pretty decent sized chunk for around here. Pulled up there during youth season to go bow hunt. There was 30 rigs at this place. People had campers set up. People had like temporary fences around their fire pits where they had their chairs. And and I'm all for kids hunting, but that is dangerous. <laughs> having having thirty at least thirty kids out with rifles on this piece of public. It's it's one thing when you're on private land and you know like you're hunting hunting fifteen hundred acres fifteen hundred acres with thirty people. It's a lot of people on it, but it's doable because you know where all twenty nine other people are going to be the next morning. Yes. You, you you establish your safe distance and directions before you ever leave camp. But public land, man, you never know. I had a dude come in on me and climb up a tree 40 yards from me, and I whistled at him. All of a sudden, he got 20 feet up, and he, he looks over. I said, hey. He goes, oh, I didn't see you there. You're camouflaged in pretty good. I said, it's kind of the point, isn't it? He climbed <laughs> back down and walked off. It's <laughs> yeah, kind of the point. Man, I mean, I don't, I don't hate him for it, but. Bad eyesight over here, and I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's just part of the experience. Oh, man. it is. It is. And I, like I said, dude, we run into people turkey hunting when we were up there where we were turkey hunting a few weeks ago, and literally we were sitting right on top of each other, calling each other back and forth for a little while. Never knew the other one was there. We were both actually facing in a safe direction, but if a gobbler would have crested the end of that fire break, one of us would have filled our pants because we were both facing that direction <laughs> at a 90-degree hell. Yeah, neither I, one of us knew the other one was there. Uh, yeah, y'all I had, had the L-shaped ambush set up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I had told William, I was like, I, we had got down to it, and I was like, man, because we had where they had cut that corner in the in the fire break, they had piled up a berm at the end of it, right there in that corner. There was a big berm. I said, I'm going to sneak down here to this berm and see if I can't see over to see something. And I get down to where the fire break takes a right, and there were uh, a jake and a hand decoy in the fire break and i said i turned to him and said son of a bitch there's two hunters right there 
And he, he said, what? And then I just walked back. And I didn't even, I was just going to grab decoys and get out of there. And they come walking up. And we're like, hey, we saw you. We saw you. I was like, all right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> A lot yeah. of sorries exchanged mm-hmm. back and forth. They're good guys. We actually ran into them the next day and had conversations, talked about where birds were. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I don't Dur- know. Tur- during turkey season, if I pull up and somebody, I mean, if you don't get one gobble in the morning around here, usually they're hinned up pretty quickly or you just, they move them on to private in the fields and stuff. So there's a lot of driving around that I do where I'll drive around and I'll walk out and we can only hunt till one. So we're trying to make the most of every property you go to. But if I pull up on a spot and there's a hunter there during turkey, I am most likely turning around. Because if I'm in there, then I'm most likely walking everywhere. There so is him. there is no public land hunting like public land duck hunting. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could imagine. <laughs> Especially Dude, if you go to- you're sitting here with the public, the public water master. <laughs> He's figured it all out, man. Just get there before everybody else. Meet me at the ramp at 3 a.m. I mean, there are guys that we go have out slept the night the before boat. putting headlamps on pieces of bamboo and stuff to make it look like people are there. Good it grief. gets it gets ridiculous. But I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter. But the thing is, is especially when it comes to public land duck hunting, people get upset because oh, you're on, you're up in here. People hunt 30 yards away. Shoot my birds. Dude, we've run into it several times. Pull your boat up nose to nose with me. Let's make one big blind with a big spread of decoys. Let's all hunt the same birds. Yeah. Why are yeah. we fighting over this? Yep. I'm not a big duck hunter, so I can't relate don't. to that. But yeah, yeah. Don't start. Yeah, don't start. Don't start. <laughs> I need to figure out how to kill the, the easy ones first and then I'll get, try to get to something else. <laughs> I Corn is the out. secret to everything. Yellow acorns. That's what we call them. I ran into this old man in Mount Dora the other day, and he hand carved decoys. He's from up like northern Michigan. Yeah. And he was telling me some old stories about his dad. And he's like, look, they put out corn, and I mean, shooting insane amount of ducks. It was great. I talked to that old man for forever. So, uh, Brandon, how did you become TikTok famous? Oh, boy. <laughs> so, November of 21, I was on TikTok, saw a bunch of cool hunting videos. Like people like people who know what they're doing with videos. He says, I can do cool, this, but worse. <laughs> yeah, the cool edits and everything. And... I was like, you know what? I'm just going to post videos. I'm just going to post something. And, uh, it's funny because my my wife now, she uh, she was helping me with these. So she was editing them for me because she was on TikTok more than I was. And you go back and look at my old ones, and it's like, what in the world what were you doing? Like, just some of them were just weird. Then I had, I did the, my first comedy one, like the humor, whatever you want to call it. And it was a bunch of clips of people uh, getting ready to kill bucks, just going, meh and it was just like five or six of these guys and the video got like 60,000 views at the time I was like this is great I'm gonna keep doing this so that video is the video that started the like humor relatable you know talking shit on myself hunting content style and I've just been doing that ever since and it's a blast people love it I 
make a bunch of mistakes, like I said earlier. I know everybody makes mistakes, but I've made you make a bunch of stupid mistakes. And I just make videos about it. And every once in a while, somebody would be like, dude, I had the same thing happen to me the other day. And that's what I think is hilarious, is I'm not the only idiot out there. <laughs> <laughs> dude, the one video that blew up for us is, is me, Jordan, and Briar lip-syncing Man of Constant Sorrow. Yeah. Dude. Oh, my God. Into a mud cup, it, yeah, in, yeah, into a, into one of these. It's probably this uh, mud jug that I have in my hand right here. Yeah. Oh yeah, sticking in <laughs> in that foothold trap, hanging from a piece of fishing line from this light up here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then people are like, "Oh my gosh, you guys should put on a concert. You sound so good. Like yeah. you sound like the real thing." I'm like, "Oh goodness, if I the real thing singing." Yeah, but if I uploaded the raw video of us actually singing that song. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's fakers that stop working. Yeah, <laughs> folks' ears bleeding. Mm-mm. No, but I think it's fun, and social media is kind of crazy. Some of it is kind of crazy nowadays. A lot of jealousy and just people not being good people about it. And so my whole style of doing things and what I want to do is just kind of, hey, I'm not serious. I'm serious about hunting, but I'm not serious about what other people think of me. Me posting, I don't know if you guys have watched my YouTube yet. Do not. Because the videos <laughs> they are so bad. I've only got two videos up. But it was like a day a day of shed hunting. And the title is an awful day of shed hunting. Because I walked this piece for like six hours and didn't find a single shed. But I still post the video. And it's just a video of me talking for eight minutes. Just cuts and cuts and cuts. So, but I just don't want to hide anything from anybody. Everybody knows pretty much anything that happens. And just want to be relatable with the whole situation. Yeah, that's, I mean, stuff like that is honestly kind of, like you said, it relates to everybody. Because shed hunting in Florida, you could call it impossible, man. Because just about as soon as a deer drops it, the squirrel's got it up in the tree somewhere. See, yeah, they're pretty bad around here too. Yeah, you talk about shed hunting, and I've got to tell the story. I don't know, I've never told this before on the podcast of the second shed I ever found. Oh, the boy. first one was a, a fork, like a four point. One more than me. Yeah, this was the second one. Holy cow! Yeah. And so, for people that can't see it, that's what uh, uh, it's six on one side, five. Yeah, uh, but it looks like a mule deer. It's got a fork G two. I was uh, I was still in the army and we were training, and we were walking <laughs> across this field, and uh, I, all I could see was the base of this horn sticking out of the grass. I was like, "That's oh, a shed antler," and I picked it up and I said, "Holy shit, that's a big ass antler!" And I turned to my sergeant behind me and said, "Hey, stick this in my rucksack," and he said, "We're training. We're not doing that." I was like, "All right." So I laid it on top of the grass, and then I kept looking to my left because I knew that to my left was the road. So I kept looking to my left, looking to my left. Finally, I saw the road, and I looked to my right, and I matched up some pine trees. I said, I'm coming back. Two weeks later, I came back, found that field where the pine trees were, walked in, walked down the field a few hundred yards, walked through there, found an eight-point skull, and then found my shed still laying on top of the grass. Heck, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. The shed, only actual shed I found is probably... I don't know, an eighth of that size. It's just a little like Dude, I've I've got a stack I've got a stack of sheds that I found when I was uh stationed at Fort Campbell. 
they're not in the studio, but there's a whole bunch of, and the first year I shot the, the, the first buck I ever shot with a bow was an eight point. That next year I went looking for sheds and I did not find a single shed without five points on one side. And I said, I won't shoot another eight point off this place again, unless it's an absolute monster. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And I yeah. didn't. The only buck I killed after that was a 13 point after I missed freaking Bambi's daddy with a bow at 30 yards. Yeah. I still remember you calling me. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> um, but oh, man, tell me, tell me some of your uh, your favorite hunting stories so far. So I don't have any six like a bunch of successful hunt stories. But they but don't have to some, be successful. They just got to no, be. No, no, I'm talking. Yeah. I'm not talking like unsuccessful, but some weird ones. So. I'm mostly public land. So the only private I have, I use it for access to forest service land. My favorite public land story. Um, last spring, I was walking out of a piece. It was like 1230, had no birds goblin whatsoever. So I was just walking out. It was hot, long day. And these two guys are walking down and they're wearing old camo which I didn't think twice about. I'm like, man, these guys are probably killers because they've got this old camo. It's all raggedy and stuff. Like, probably their lucky turkey hunting camo. And we stopped and talked, and they looked at this, like, solid-off shotgun. And, again, I was just like, whatever. Maybe they call them in right to their lap. They don't need anything else. <laughs> then he he looks down at my gun. I have a Remington 870. And he's like, what's that, that black thing on the end of that? Like, the choke? Yeah, what's that? I was like, it's a, a choke tube. It's like, what? what is that? Like, it makes your shotgun pattern go small. I was still not concerned. Maybe they were new turkey hunters, whatever. And they were just acting really weird, asking a bunch of weird questions. They kept turning around and looking back down the trail. And he's like, so you heard anything? I was like, no, I hit the hoot owl a couple times this morning. And uh, got an owl going and heard one turkey gobble in private. He's like, I thought owls were endangered species. I'm like, they are. Why Why do you say that? He's like, so you're out here hunting owls with an owl call? I'm like, no. I'm just hoot owl and trying to get the turkey to gobble. And he's like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, what do you think we should do? I'm like, well, guys, you got 20 minutes till season closes it closes at one so if you walk all the way to the back of this it's going to take you an hour so stay close i guess and just go out there and call and they turned around and walked off i got to the pull off and there was a van there i heard people talking in the van and they showed up as soon as they see me coming to the opening and turned around and took off and there was a bunch of needles and burnt spoons laying on the ground Oh boy! So you ran into some Mexican Americans. Yes, Mexican. exactly. <laughs> but and you see some characters. I don't care what you do, man. But it's just really weird situations like that. That I, I honestly I think it's fun and hilarious. Like seeing a tweaker out in the on a piece of public in Missouri. It's like, oh hey, I know that one. He's out here all the time. He doesn't bother you. He just sits there and watches you while you hunt. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of our, I may have told it before, but one of my favorite ones from this past season was uh, me and one of my other buddies, Easton, were hunting a piece of 
public, but we were accessing it via a uh, river. Mm-hmm. And we're putting it at the boat ramp. And I got my camera out, and I'm, like, taking pictures of the boat and the truck. And then I'm, like, videoing him back in the boat in. And now, my truck has... Uh, okay, you go. Yeah. My truck has our... our uh, the whole entire cab of my truck has a huge Under Pressure Outdoors logo on it. And then I have some other stuff like on the on the bed of it. I have uh, has more stickers on the bed of it. And uh, so we get back down and stuff. And he's like, where are you guys going hunting? And uh, my buddy Easton's like, off the water. And the guy's like, oh, okay. And then he starts giving us spots and stuff on like where to go and yada, yada, yada. And he walks away. And I tell Easton, I was like, I, I don't, I've never had anybody like, genuinely give me spots to hunt like I, I don't i have no idea what's going on and he's like ah, i don't know and then so they go they leave before us we get all our stuff in the boat and we start heading out we pass them down the creek that we're like they're getting out of the boat walking in the woods and we pass them and go to where we had our pins at hunt the morning get back to the boat and we're we had literally just got back to the boat and they come driving down the creek past us stop back their boat up and then pull in next to us and the first thing the guy driving the boat says the one that gave us spots he's like man i had to call my dad this morning and tell him that the professionals have come to hunt ocala <laughs> <laughs> and i was like no 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 we're locals we're not <laughs> We're we're not professionals, man. We're just I just oh, have stickers. You know what's funny though is since you got your truck wrap, we've been we've had several people message us be like, I saw you up here hunting. Yeah, <laughs> got, we had a guy message us asking if we if we had a guide service because he caught us on one of his trail cameras. Yeah, <clears throat> I've had another guy I actually turkey hunted with him uh, a couple weeks back, and he was like, man, I saw you driving through town one day, and it was like beginning at opening weekend of turkey season, and he was like. Man, the professionals are down here to hunt Osceola's. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nope. no, nope, we just got stickers on the truck. <laughs> we are by no means professionals. Yeah, people ask me for advice, like, hey, what should I do? I'm like, don't, don't do this. I don't know don't. what you should do, but do not do this. Yeah. I can't give you any advice. If it was me, I'd do this thing, but don't do this. He said, first off, you're asking the wrong person. Second off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I've if you spend a bunch enough of experience, but it's not good experience. Just say that. <laughs> if you spend enough time in the woods, you're gonna get lucky. Oh yeah. Right? That's yeah. my whole credo. Like I've never shot I've never shot a smart turkey or a smart deer in my life. I am I am the reason that deer are getting smarter. <laughs> because I thin out the dumb ones. <laughs> Turkeys That's aren't funny. even smart, man. They're just scared of everything. Pretty much. I got so close to get my first like solo bird last year, and he went across a sorry excuse for a creek. <laughs> I he I had him gobbling good, and he was coming in. I was ready, just soft calling. I called like four or five times, and he was just. I'm just going nuts. It's like this turkey's dead. It's over with. And he went across the creek. So upset. Dude, I, I had one one time that I, I knew where the bird I I semi roosted him, knew where about where he was at, came in from the backside, set up, called. We were fifty yards from his roost, he flew down, gobbled, gobbled, and then like a strange loud 
gobbler turkey cluck and then silence. And I'm like, what the heck, man? We were just on the back of this hill waiting on him to crest that ridge and just lay him out flat. Got up, walked to the edge of that hill, 30-foot cliff. I was like, oh. That That's explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that was there. My brother shot a deer one time that fell down a cliff, and we never found that deer. We tracked the blood all the way to the edge of it, went down to the bottom of it, just walked, I mean, probably three hours. He killed it in the morning or shot it in the morning. Walked down to the bottom and was checking things, and we never found it. So I don't know if it lived after it fell down this, like, 50-foot drop. I couldn't imagine that it would. But you'd think you'd find something somewhere. I have no idea. You know what's bad when your deer commits suicide after you shoot it? Yeah. I got got a question for the room, and I'll go last. We'll just kind of go counterclockwise around the table here, or clockwise around the table here. Um, Do you, when it comes to deer hunting... Do you prefer mornings or evenings, Briar? What do you What do you got? That's tough. That's a tough question. I don't think it. Where Where have you had your most success so far? Mornings. Yeah, mornings. In the morning, <laughs> Jim. I think I'm split pretty evenly. Maybe it breaks a little bit. Mornings, um, but I prefer mornings only because, as you know, I like self-process. And the problem is when you shoot a, uh, absolutely. an evening yeah. deer, you're you're working in the dark. But, man, you knock one down in the morning, oh, there's nothing. And, of course, I'm a biscuits and gravy fella, so there's nothing better than, especially right at first light, wham! And you, you've got the deer in the truck, and then... <laughs> You're at the restaurant eating biscuits and gravy and got all day to get your deer taken care of. What do you think, Jordan? Mornings or evenings? Oh, man. I feel like I'm almost more of a a morning person. I'm just a morning. I would say that I'm more of a morning person because if I'm able to go in in the morning and uh, and kill something, I'm not as... uh, I feel successful, right? But if you go in in the morning, you don't see anything, you don't kill anything. Then by the time the afternoon hunt comes around, you're like, oh, damn. Like you, you feel discouraged almost. I'd like to add a caveat that I think for the experience, I prefer the evening sit. Figuring that most of the time you're not going to win, right? Most of the time it's just communing with nature. Right. I think I like the evening sit because. I really enjoy the sunset. And there's also that feeling of any minute now. Like, as the, right. as the day goes on, it seems like your odds of seeing a deer oh, are going to get the- less. But as the day is coming to a close, it seems like your odds of getting a deer are going to increase. And then there's definitely, there's no question, where in the middle of the day you have the, should I get down or should I stay? Should I get down or should I stay? But at the end of the day, there's no question. The hunt is over 30 minutes after sunset. Right. Yeah. So I think I prefer the evening sit for assuming that you're not going to have success. But if I do have success, I prefer morning success. I feel very strongly about it both ways. Yeah, I hate tracking a deer at night, too. I'm not a fan of it either. But so, Brandon, what do you think? Mornings or evenings? I, I think it's for me, it's also split town, like pretty even on both sides. I love the morning sits because... 
it's beautiful and it's nice to get out there really early and be set up and ready to go. I feel like in the evenings, even if I'm there early, I'm in there making a bunch of noise just to sit for it to get dark. It's just a weird feeling of in the mornings you're there way before dark and you have time to settle down and let the sun rise and let the day begin. But in the evenings, kind of the opposite. You're going in there midday, making a bunch of ruckus and then hoping that something decides to walk through there again in my head. But I like evening hunts a lot. Like what, what you said about it, you just, you feel like at any moment something could happen. Whereas in the mornings, I again, agree with you after a certain point, you're like, nothing's coming through here. Most likely nothing's going to walk through the spot that I'm at. Of course, we're also During like, just, early season. That's just deer hunting. Yes. Turkeys mornings. Now, Squirrels, mornings. Ducks, mornings. Yeah. Right? It's like, well, yeah, yeah. Strictly talking deer hunting, and this is this is a tough toss-up for me. And I'll say that because if I started at the day that I started hunting up until this point, I have seen more deer and killed probably more deer in a morning hunt than I have an evening hunt. But I have seen... Shot at, missed, and killed bigger deer in the evening than I ever did in the morning. The only the, the my I, I've never like measured the my my big nine over the thirteen point uh, to see which one is actually bigger. But I shot the nine point in the morning purely by luck. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time when they bumped that deer, and I shot it. The thirteen point that I shot with my shotgun. I hunted that deer, hunted in that area morning and evening for four days and could hear the ruckus going on in the bottom. I was sitting on the ridge, and the the evening of the fourth day, I decided to go down into the bottom instead of hunting on the ridge again, and I shot that deer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was going to kind of add a caveat to that and say that the evening can sometimes seems better to me because especially going in on public land, where you have like a quota hunt and maybe you weren't really able to uh, scout it as well as you wanted to because of, you know, work and everything. Um, I feel like sometimes on the evening hunt, you feel more confident because after your morning hunt, you were able to go, okay, this spot was crap. I couldn't see anything here. Like I thought I was going to be able to, I need to move here to where I can see. I think deer are going to move better through here. But I think also too on, like pressured public land, deer are largely nocturnal. Yeah. Right. So hunting that evening and pushing off of, I, I had a lot of success hunting public land in Tennessee and Kentucky by, you, you see, everybody wants to hunt the field edge. It's planting soybeans. The deer are all over it 45 minutes after dark. I mean, you, you could ride by there, shine your headlights across it, 50 deer in that soybean field. And everybody wants to hunt on the edge, hoping to catch that one deer slipping out wrong. No. I went 800 yards in from the edge of that soybean field and hunted and shot a doe at 2.30 in the afternoon. Because she was moving forward in the afternoon to stage to get ready to go out into the soybean field. And the same thing happened. I mean, the 12 point that I missed that was the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life. I missed him at... 4.30 in the afternoon. Like, it wasn't dark. 
It was well before dark. Well, 4.30 at that time was probably about 45 minutes to an hour before dark. But regardless, you, you had plenty something, of time. Go ahead. Something I've been doing more too, especially this last year, is a lot more scouting one. And, I mean, that's kind of a given. You have to scout more to figure out. But there was days where I slept in a little bit in the morning. And instead of going out at, like, 1 o'clock or one thirty for the evening sit, I'd leave it at my house at, like, 9 or 9.30, get out into the woods at, like, 11, and just slowly, slowly scout and just look and look. And if you find something good, find good sign, then I set up on it. And so kind of gave up some mornings this past fall, but it makes it easier because you don't feel rushed in the morning and you can actually see what you're looking for. Right. And you can mark on your map. And so if you don't want to hunt this spot that day, you can still mark it. And then you have that spot for the next morning or the next evening. Or whatever. I, I've never but, killed a deer with a bow in the morning. Both the the doe and the buck were shot in the afternoon. The only two deer I've killed with a bow been in the morning. On heavily trafficked public land, I think the evenings are a whole lot easier to set up for. And the reason I say that is because you mentioned deer are nocturnal. Right. So in the morning, you have to almost try to figure out where they are going from food. Right. And I don't know why that seems harder. Because... Um, I guess because they have an infinite number of ways of going. So, but I try to find if I find if I, if like especially if you're on a WMA with a food plot, you know they're in there at night, right? But going back to what you were saying about staging, then you can find the pinch points. And a perfect example is the I got this year is looking knew where the food plot was and then saw where the two ponds were and hunted the gap between the two ponds, knowing that anything that is outside. That's going to come back in to the WMA to get to the food plots going to cross through that gap. And that's how I got her. Kind of funnel right, right. in there to you. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. can see that because you can figure out if you know where the food is, you know, they're going to come to that food, but then you can look at the map and try to figure out what terrain, whether it's a bottom or whether there's pinch points or there's a, there's a heavily wooded area that's going to give them concealment. And then you can go f- push back into that terrain and figure you can catch them on the way. That's been my... So I think the the big problem we run into here in Florida, you're talking about trying to figure out where they're going to from where they were at night in the mornings. You, you think about when we went up to uh, Tennessee and Kentucky a couple of years ago and we stand on the road and look down through the woods and you can see 300 freaking yards through the trees. Here in Florida? Huh. Good luck. So there's bedding area everywhere. So it's not like you, you, you're like, well, I know that because they were in this field, they've got a bed. They're going to bed in this thick stuff over here. They're bed on that ridge line. It's all flat, and it's all covered in palmettos and crap. Yeah, if in Florida, it's all low. Otherwise, yeah. it's got houses on it. Right. Yeah, it's just hard to find the bottom. So hunting those afternoons, you, you can really isolate the – find a deer trail going to a food source with tracks going in both directions, you're going to see deer. Yep. Yeah, it's a opposite where most of the places I hunt. We are not flat whatsoever. Right. There's you're always set up on a ridge or at the in the in a bottom, like a steep bottom where if they're gonna come through there ain't no other way they can get through there except almost falling on their face coming down the steep hillside. So that it's just I would love to hunt some different terrain. Like that'd be a blast just to really I, humble myself even more than I already do every day. But I, w- I would welcome you to come down here and hunt some deer in Florida with us, but 
please make sure you're not on any kind of blood thinners or anything before you come down here because the mosquitoes will thin you out pretty good. Don't matter what yeah, time of year it is. <laughs> Thermocells? Yeah, they bring, don't work. Yeah. Bring two of them. They don't work. No. Oh, the, uh, yeah, there are definitely some... Th- We've talked about that. It's either some of the pads they're making aren't up to speed or they're making thermosel-resistant skeeters. They don't work the way they used to. <laughs> no. But they're better than nothing. I firmly believe that at one point thermosel was using permethrin, and now they use what is called alethrin, which is a natural thing that occurs in a flower, which is supposed to repel mosquitoes, and I don't think it works as good. In fact, I'm going to no. test that theory by rejuvenating some of my old pads this summer with permethrin. To see if that keeps the skeeters off me. So, are you going to put like a uh, a blue dye in your permethrin to try and because it, it, it tends essentially if you dye your permethrin, it should still burn the pad out. Yeah, you can. Colors. You can put blue food coloring in there to yeah. rejuvenate the pad. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in when the top side of the pad gets brown, you can flip it over. And the bottom side is still blue. It's good to go, baby. There you go. <laughs> Maybe that's why I that's, get mosquitoes on me. Part of the problem. I, I, yeah. You didn't smoked all of it off, and there ain't nothing there. <laughs> Oh, you got to use them thermosel pads on a budget, man. Yeah. You can find the fuel cells I, everywhere. The pads. <laughs> order my Amazon. That's where I ordered mine. <laughs> I don't and know why I've never thought of that. Amazon? Yeah, to buy my thermosel stuff. <laughs> I think they make like an extra strength one, too. I might be lying to you. Maybe it's the actual device itself. But I know they had like a tier one and a tier two of packages you can buy. Oh, we need tier three. Yeah, <laughs> man, what what a racket though! If you had a foil sealer, and you started selling knockoff brand thermosel pads, oh yeah, dude, you can get permethrin cheap. No, dude, there'd be guys out there just sealing blue bubble gum in a pad, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really cheap. You know, it's just oh, this shit doesn't work. Dude, yeah. I sprayed my hunting clothes down with permethrin. Because, I mean, it stinks when you first spray it on, but the, the, the original dang stink of it wears off, and that will keep the ticks off of you like nobody's business. Oh, man. It's a miracle. Yeah. The, this last early season, when I um, my father-in-law shot a buck, uh, and we were out there looking, and I was still in my hunting clothes because we both hunted. Uh, my wife and him were walking in front of me, and we got back to the house, and they were just covered in seed ticks. I mean cover those little itty bitty suckers oh yeah down there oh yeah Yeah. dude listen oh i got covered up scouting so bad this year that i wiped my rubbed myself down with like benadryl cream and it made me drowsy that's how many tick bites (laughs) ticks i had on my i have ticks and chickers i have a pair of jeans that i is just for scouting that i spray in permethrin every year (laughs) i i love it man i'm a little spoiled now i won't go out without it I buy like the hundred percent permethrin like cattle mix, and then I cut my own into a spray bottle so we can make it a little stronger if I need to. Yeah, I do, we talked about that the other. Uh, me and we had talked about it on that TikTok live last night. I, this couple weekends ago, I was uh, filming for a guy and kind of hunting with him, and uh, everywhere we went, I mean, my clothes were pre-soaked, and the first day I still had ticks on me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and spray them again. Sprayed them that night. Next day, still had ticks on me the next day. And then I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I sprayed them again that night and then had a bottle of deep woods on me. And that morning when we got out to the woods, I sprayed, I pulled my pants up and I sprayed my socks in deep woods. And then I sprayed my boots in deep woods and then sprayed like around my wrists and stuff. And I was good to go. 
But it, like they still get underneath my britches, even though I soak them. Sneaky little bastards. I, they are. They are. They're bad. Horrible. The worst part is if you get them on your pants and then you get in your vehicle, like the ones you didn't see on your pants, like three days later, you find a random tick on your leg. You're like, oh, no. It's, you know what's from? bad? Is, uh, we, we went out turkey hunting and then Amanda got a tick about a week later. From the bed? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Spreading ticks around the house. There you go. Everybody gets to share and all that. I hate them. It's like Oprah Winfrey. You get a tick, tick. and you, you get a tick. Ticks are a venereal disease. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish could, I wish we could take medicine like dogs just to keep you them know, off of us. That'd you say nice. that, but I've heard of people using putting arresto collars around their ankles and that keeping the ticks off. Man, I'll do a lot of weird things. I don't know if I'm going to walk around with a collar on me. <laughs> not, not around your neck. You just put it around your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use that permethrin, uh, the first time I used it, it soaked my clothes, but you're supposed to, when I actually got them soaking wet where I could almost like wring them out, that's when it worked the best. You get it pretty much damp, like yeah. you dried them for maybe 30 minutes, then you hang them up and let them dry. That's what, that's what really, smelled like a gasoline can, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing turkeys can't smell very well. Yeah. They could smell me though, I swear. Probably. <laughs> so tell me about your worst experience of the woods so far your least favorite hunting story per se oh man if, you, if you're if you're i mean if you're if you're bow hunting i know you've got a story about the one that you missed or the one that got away oh man i think the i've missed a couple the worst like the stoop not really stupidest but the one that like really pissed me off was I was sitting on the ground in a bottom and just, I left my saddle at home. I had the sticks and my platform and everything, but I forgot the, the thing you're supposed to wear to saddle hunt. Forgot that portion. And so I just sat on the ground with everything. This doe came in, wind was perfect, perfect, like 15 yard shot on the ground. Never killed one with a bow off, like actually in the woods off the ground. And I pulled back my release and my release broke. about mid mid draw and it didn't actually like snap or anything but i think there was a stick it was a wrist release i think there was a stick inside the hinge portion of it where the trigger was and so once i had enough pressure on it like mid draw that stick just let loose like it didn't close all the way when i put it on the bow and it's just like it just like lobbed over her back it didn't even like really shoot it was just bloop and just lobbed right over her that was probably the worst because that same day, I it was hot, very hot, early season. I dropped my bow like two sticks up out of the tree, uh, climbing down. I My quiver was on the side of my bow, obviously. And my top stick, I usually let it down with like the strap. And the other two, I just stick on me on the way down. I let it down and laid it up against the tree with the strap, which I always do that. I've done it a hundred times. And the thing fell over and landed on all of my arrows and broke two of my lighted knocks and then cracked one of the carbon on my arrows. It was all in the, it was all in the same day. It was awful. God awful day. Dude, I, I tell you, I I have the I missed an eleven point three times in the same hunt. Oh my goodness. Within, I just put the bow up if it was me. I did after that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't bow anymore that season. <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't bow anymore. You're done bowing today, guys. Dude, man, I did not bow hunt a single other time after that that year. Uh, I missed him once at twenty yards, once at thirty yards, and once at forty five yards. Man. And then at that point, I had a doe at ten yards underneath me, and I'm like, "Can I sink a field point in her head?" Because I had three broadheads <laughs> and one field point. And I was like, no, I shouldn't do that. And I didn't. But I did get down and uh, had a buddy who was not seeing shit that day. So I was like, I'm about to mess with this guy. So I get down and I walk. Instead of walking the trail around the ridge I was sitting on, I walked. We were hunting private property. And I walked up the ridge and I came down the backside. And I'm texting him, like, you seen any deer? He's like, no, man, I ain't seen nothing. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I was like, so I started, you know, walk, step, 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 stop step step stop he's like i think i got one coming in i was like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he started like, i bet you do he started rattling and grunting he was getting he was getting ready i'd, I'd step step stop step 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 stop i was like how close is it he's like i think it's only about 50 yards it's gonna come out in the food plot in a minute Dude, I carried that on for the next hour until right at about dark. And then I walked out in the food plot. And I shined my light and he goes, fuck you. <laughs> I had a buddy get shot out with a crossbow one time. Holy we had, shit. Yeah. We had, first time he's ever like really gone deer hunting. And this was during rifle season. I had my bow. No, he had his bow too. I, that was his first time he's ever bow hunted. And we sat in different spots. This was an evening hunt. We hunted together that morning. And I set him down on the ground with a chair. I'm like, just sit here. If they're if they're gonna move tonight, like they're definitely gonna move through here because they come off the private into public and then back to private. I said, they are gonna go right in between you if they're gonna move tonight. He texts me like an hour before uh, sunset. He said, I somebody just shot an arrow at me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Hey, they weren't far off the road, you know. It was just a late, just on-the-fly hunt. So I got down, walked over to him, and sure enough, there was a crossbow bolt sitting just to the left of him about three yards. And he he's like, they shot it. I turned around, some guy was standing there with a crossbow, and then just walked off to his car and left. He, like, knew what he did, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave. Yeah, and it's weird because there was some dried blood on the bolt. So I don't know if he was unloading his crossbow, but it had a broadhead on it, so you'd think he'd be smart enough not to shoot a broadhead into the dirt. And so we, I was like, that's weird, man. He was all shook up because I, I would be too if somebody shot at me and I turned around and they're just standing there. Don't say a word to me. That almost sounds like a fella who wanted to hunt where your buddy was. Your buddy was there, so he intentionally shot near him. Still an absolute dick thing to do. But that's dangerous. You just don't know what's going to happen. No and doubt. we went back to the truck and started like left. There was nobody in the car. It was a Ford Explorer or something, but I saw a crossbow laying in the back seat and we got on this road and there's two dudes walking with a, like a 16 year old or whatever, which is a weird road to walk on. It's like in the middle of nowhere, like nobody's out there. They're like, do you guys guys out there hunting oh no no not today one of them was wearing a camo jacket and i'm like okay it's like yeah you guys don't you guys shoot a crossbow no 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 <laughs> you live around here no we're just out here walking 
So you're just out here walking. There's a car over there with a crossbow sitting in the back seat, and you don't live over here. And you're telling me you didn't go out and shoot this crossbow. And he's like, no. I was like, that's really weird because you guys are right here next to us, and you're walking on some random road. No, it wasn't us. No, no. Okay. So we just drove off. <laughs> so what? Stupid. What's the future of uh, HuntWorks looking like in your opinion? Man, I I really love the YouTube stuff, the like long story, long format, just trying trying to tell a story with everything. Like I said, I'm not very good at it, but I would like to do that more and keep those videos going as well as keeping the goofy relatable because those are also extremely fun to do. People interacting and you make one comment about something and somebody's like, well, that same thing happened to me, but this happened. I love the interaction and people laughing about things because everybody's too serious nowadays. It's way too serious. I think Especially that's kind of the hunting room. That's kind of what drove us to TikTok. Is that it? Our TikTok is is for the most part, it's all laughs and funny and and not trying to be serious about things. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And my page is definitely like humor driven. Like I want people to laugh and have a good time, but there's some serious stuff on there. But it's more just like being myself. I'm not hiding anything or you know watching Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. Some of that stuff's reposted but more of just the videos of me talking. It's, I say something I did wrong or whatever. Just being honest. I'm not going to, if I miss a turkey this year, don't call a turkey in. I'm getting ready to post one next week of youth hunt, and it was so windy, you didn't even hear a bird cop in the video. I'm still going (laughs) to post it. Yeah, I don't care. It's still going to get posted. Like That's just the person I am. Just honest and... That's the thing with social media is, is everybody gets wrapped up in how great everybody is on social media because all you see on social media is the peaks. Yes. Nobody, yep. the majority of people don't post the peaks and the valleys and the peaks because there's a lot more valleys than there are peaks. The the low points exactly. and all you get is the high points. You, you you would think if you watched a lot of guys, every time they go out, they kill a deer. That's not. But they don't show like how many weeks it took for them to scout and. You know, some some people do. Not everybody's like that, but or, I or completely agree with you. Fifteen sits before they ever saw a deer there. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. one yeah. one hunting show on Outdoor Channel takes a whole like seven days to yeah. make. Yeah, you, you're talking hundreds of hours of footage for, or you know, thirty forty hours of footage for one hour of television. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's, it's crazy, and. I didn't realize what it was until I like got into hunting again because I had I wasn't following any outdoor social media stuff whatsoever. When I got back into it, I just realized how I don't want to say mainstream, but it is. But everything you see is just you know, which I love it. But it's just here's what I killed. Here's this. Here's that. There was just no just formal. Change gears a little bit. <clears throat> when you have success, what do you do with it? What do you like to, how do you like to cook it? Oh man. You yourself, you yourself, are you a self processor? You take it to the processor guy. What do you like to do? When we were, when I, when I was younger, we, uh, we did kind of both. We process it ourselves and we take it to Amish and they would make like jerky and summer sausage for us. Or we've tried to make it ourselves, but just didn't never turn out really good. Um, the last couple of years, whenever our family has killed one, We'll like take one of them to the processor, have them make us like sausage links, 
and then either have them grind everything else up or we'll keep it for steaks or whatever. So we kind of do a little bit of both. But as far as what we cook it, if we have it, we're going to try to use it as much as we can. We lost about 200 pounds of deer meat uh, last summer. Because, oh, man, I, I about cried. It, we had our freezer. The freezer portion of our fridge, our, our beer fridge out back went out. Well, it was still running, so we never checked it. And I went out there one day. I was like, what is that smell? And saw the flies buzzing around it. And I'm like, oh, no. I opened that up, and then just blood just poured out of this freezer. It had been un- unfrozen, had been thawed out for a few days. Ugh. And in the summer heat, man, it was bad. It was awful. That was one of the saddest days of my life. The same kind of thing happened to my parents a while back. They had gone up to uh, vacation up in the panhandle of Florida for a week. And uh, my dad grabbed some hamburger and stuff out to take on vacation. They have like a a big stand-up freezer in the garage. And uh, he didn't close it all the way when he Mm -hmm. left. They got back a week later. Open the garage door. My dad can't smell. So, I mean, like, has zero sense of smell. So my mom's like, it smells like a dead body in here. They, like, they call... Yeah, their, uh, air, like, their air handler is in, like, right next to the freezer in the garage. So not only did the garage stink, but their air handler sucked up all the stink and ran it through the whole house. Oh, man. Oh, no. Mm. That's bad. Yeah, they it, called a hazmat, like, a dead body cleanup company to, like... They were gonna have them come clean, like de-smell the house, but they they gave them tips on how to do it instead. <laughs> we had a freezer. Yes. The guys had left. I don't even know why. They brought tilapia, like oh. store-bought tilapia that's in individual packs to mm-hmm. camp, and they left that in the freezer. And then they left other food in the refrigerator at the end of the season. And I forget if the main went out or if just the freezer went out but long story short there was no power to their refrigerator all summer oh and uh, jason and i went up there to clean that thing up and i mean you open it up and you couldn't help it was like yeah Yeah. (laughs) just sounds rough it was terrible those those chest freezers are probably the best thing you can have if you if you've got a gonna keep a freezer around your house when they do go out or they do break, they seem to hold on the longest out yeah. of like the stand-up freezers or like your fridge freezers. They seem to do the best on keeping stuff cold when it's not working. Yeah, I had had that happen. I had a chest freezer in my laundry room, and uh, I mean, I'd come back from like a weekend away somewhere, and uh, I went to get a pack of venison out to like thaw out for dinner. And when I grabbed it, it was already kind of soft. And the girl I was seeing at the time was at the house. And uh, I was like, oh, no. I said, we, we're going to have to do some serious shuffling here. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, this freezer went out. And it's got an absolute piss load of deer meat in it. It's got a, a what's your gator? 11 foot? like yeah, A 10 foot gator head. Yeah, it's got yeah. a 10 foot gator head and a piss load of ducks and a squirrel and stuff in it, too. And so, uh, luckily, I have the the freezer in my uh, my fridge has a freezer in my kitchen, 
And then I have a beer fridge that has a freezer too. So I was able to shuffle everything from that into two separate freezers. And then I managed to pick up another small chest freezer. But that was bad. Luckily, I would caught it where like I could feel just the outside of that top piece was soft. Yeah. I was like, oh, this freezer's gone out. We got to do something now. Yeah. It dawns on me that my freezer in my garage was in my old house, and I've been in my house for 20 years. <laughs> Still rocking. Hey, you, like, count your, I, I am, I, your I days am, are numbered, yeah. Jim. <laughs> you might want to start I'm looking at another one. I'm living dangerously. My freezer's plugged into a GFCI plug, so I gotta, every time I walk in the laundry room, I eyeball it make sure it's still got the power light on. Because I've come yeah. in there several <laughs> times, and the power light's on. I'm like, uh-oh. But it's it's still hasn't unthawed yet. I believe I would hey, uh, replace that GFCI. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, they uh, like the home stores and the lumber stores and everything. That's when they sell the most chest freezers. They've always got them on display more during deer season. I believe <laughs> it. Jim, yep. Jim is a Jim is a processing machine. Oh yeah. Jim and Briar were making dang boudin, alligator boudin. I was oh, gonna do the sausage. And Dewey, yeah. And Dewey, yeah. And Dewey sausage. All kinds of great stuff. Man, see, you gotta come down here to hunt alligators with us. We'll put you in the studio and and make you a fine meal. Jim Jim brings in all kinds of uh meals with French names and <laughs> Yeah. I got a new one. What's that? Um I'm, I enjoy going to a restaurant in town called Tibby's. Ooh, that's and good. Delicious. Yeah, it's it's Creole food, New Orleans style. And they've got a dish on the menu called chicken pontchartrain, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. But I was just kind of, I was looking at it, trying to figure out what's in it. I think I got it, and um, I think it's essentially a lemon butter sauce with garlic, uh, tomatoes, and then um, artichoke hearts and olive dressing. The unit store, you could think, who the heck ever buys that stuff? It's just olive dressing, and that's what's in it. And it's I cook it down with some sherry, and uh, add some, add a little bit of Creole seasoning to it. And man, you put that on chicken or th- this, this today for lunch we had it on triple tail. It's out yeah. of this world. I'll bring that in. So you, Two you weeks listen. You listen to us talk about this, and you're like, man, I want to make some stuff like that. Jim has been gracious enough to share his recipes to our website, the UPONation.co. And you can go into like the recipes tab, and it's broken down by big game, small game fish, mm-hmm. and you can look at those different recipes in there and I'll find. Have, some yeah, stuff I'll have to do that. that. Yeah, find some stuff to make. Good. He's put some really good recipes up on there. Oh, Not yeah. only that, Jim, when he burned my doe tag, he gave me the meat back, and then all the meat he like processed out and prepackaged with a recipe duct taped to the outside of it. Dang! So I know how to cook it. <laughs> That's service. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. There may have been a little bit of guilt. <laughs> that He's, was not only not only did he burn my doe tag, he burned it the first morning of the hunt. Thirty minutes in. Thirty minutes in. Yeah. That deer was not gonna feed down to you underneath me, man. <laughs> he wasn't gonna let it. Thirty minutes in, eighty yards away, first morning of the hunt. That deer Bye. was living dangerously, and it didn't make it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Again, he's making them deer smarter. Exactly. <laughs> That's good. Oh. 
But, gentlemen, you got any closing thoughts? I'm going to say scout, man. We've talked about it a little bit, whether you like your morning or your afternoon. And then, uh, man, if, if you just go in and you have the time to scout, go in and scout. And then you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, not knowing where you're going in the morning. You know, something we, I think we talked about, we talked on the phone, the game cameras. You guys can't use game cameras up there, right? We can't use them on conservation land. So we've got conservation, Army Corps of Engineers, and then we've got Forest Service land. That's our public hunting ground, and we can't use them. It specifies we can't use them on conservation land. It doesn't specify that you can or can't on the other two. So I just don't run them. And that sucks because you can use game cameras. They kind of, they tell you what sometimes passes through your area, but they really, you know, if you look at the times your photos take place, they tell you when deer are passing through your area. Yeah. It yeah. allows you to pattern and a little better. A little better. People, if people don't want to listen, like I am a new hunter, like the not been doing this very long. So this is scouting has been the number one thing that's gotten me on more deer. The number one thing. Just going out there, finding sign, even if you don't know what the sign means, if you know it's deer sign, Mark it on your map and just keep walking. And after you've got your points all together on your phone and you walk for, you know, an hour and a half to two hours, you find a bunch of sign, go back and look at those points you marked and see if you can tell what in the world is going on. Like, is it a line? Is it just a random, you know, that's what I've done a lot is just marking points and then setting up near those points or putting them all together and realizing that it's, oh, this is like a little bit of a pinch point or this is a little draw that they're coming out in and going into food on private. But that was the big, and I, again, I haven't killed much because I got too picky for some stupid reason, but that's what got me on deer more was just scouting. Dude, you know, what's been a big thing for us is the Onyx added that acorn producing tree layer and oh, looking yeah. at that. Yeah. On public land in, our, in a state who, that's heavily covered in pine trees. Finding those yeah. acorn producing trees. It was, we, our crop was humongous last year. There was acorns on every, underneath every oak tree in the woods, which is great in some people's eyes, but you couldn't figure out where the deer. Right. You couldn't tell. The food is abundant. Yeah. You're rolling on your ankles walking through some, like some pieces because there were so many on the ground. It was bad. It's going to be good for next year though. Oh yeah. High fawn production. Absolutely. Yeah, I honestly think that trail cameras have kind of taken away, maybe not for everybody, but for some people, that scouting aspect like you're talking about. Like, I, I feel like some people are probably relying too hard on their cameras. Running a trail camera is not scouting. No. No. To, to still, me... Still got to know where to put yeah, that camera. Yeah, I was going to say, to me, I, I feel like when it comes to placing a camera, I'm going to scout, 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 scout. And then when I think I found a really good area, I'm going to place a camera and try and figure out how they're moving in Dude, that area. I, yeah. I tell you, we had a piece of private land in Tennessee and we had a camera that would have, uh, 50 pictures on it when the rest of them would have 90. And I said, that doesn't make sense. So we left the camera where it was and I took another camera, put it on another tree facing the opposite direction, 90 pictures. The deer were moving behind the camera. Well, they're yeah. not dumb, though. I mean, 
you've heard that on the the uh, the Questo podcast talking about uh, cameras driving deer away. Right. I I think if you if you go out there and you are putting a camera in a spot where you get a bunch of pictures, then you obviously know what you're doing to a point to where you can set that camera up in a spot where deer are moving through. So I I think it is scouting to a certain point, but the actual hunting aspect of it is I just don't like the thought of having a deer show up on my phone while I'm at work or something, you know, I just, I have my notifications off for my trail camera. I just check it every, like, it'll be like a week later and I'm like, Oh man, I haven't checked my trail camera in a week. Like I need to go on the app and look at it. Yeah, those cell cameras, I mean, that's why Boone and Crockett said cell camera, no Boone and Crockett buck. There's too many. Oh, yeah. No, if if you're running cell cameras, you cannot qualify for the Boone and Crockett record book. Hmm. And and that's because people are, you know, there's been instances where people have said they're sitting in this tree and he pops up over here on this camera. Well, well, they know if he comes in this camera, he's going to be in that stand. So they get down, they move, and they shoot that deer. So mm-hmm. now, if you're running cell cams, no Boone and Crockett. Kind of takes away your yeah. fair. That I mean, that doesn't seem like fair chase to me, honestly. Yeah, I I, I don't think it's unfair chase. It to 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 take a cell cam picture and and like move. No, but that's to run saying, cell yeah. cameras in general, to take a cell cam picture and move. That's right. that's not fair chase in my opinion. Yeah, but I don't use cameras enough, especially not cell cams enough to like know for sure exactly what my thoughts are but i can just tell you that i hated seeing deer pop up on my phone and i wasn't there hunting it wasn't ever anything big but it's still cool to see deer out there and see animals doing their thing so it's just i don't know people do what you want as long as things are being ethical still which cell cams are kind of teetering the line to on some people and some there's a big argument on that but i don't know man i look at them and i just think Soon, I was gonna say we had we had talked <laughs> yeah we had talked to somebody that uh where they were they were talking about banning cell cams and they said but they th- I think it was Caleb out in New Mexico might have been well they keep people from trampling <clears throat> into yeah, the water source it, it keeps yeah. people from going in and out so much there is a a positive and a negative side to everything right trail cameras before there were trail cameras they had uh like a a, a a clock that you strung a string across the trail and when a deer or something crossed it, it would stop the time and it would tell you at 12 o'clock AM or PM. You don't really know, but at 12 o'clock, something crossed here. <laughs> Those things existed. And, and then yeah. came the, the cell cameras that had, or the cell cameras, the, the uh, trail cameras that had uh, ran on 35 millimeter film. You got 25 pictures. That was it. Might be 25 pictures of a tree. You don't know till you go down to the dang CVS, CVS and get them developed, yeah. <laughs> and they ran on eight D batteries, yeah. And and now we we've gone so far as to have cameras that send pictures to your cell phone. I don't have any because I'm too cheap uh, to buy them. Not necessarily to buy them, but to pay the monthly subscription to have them send them to my cell phone. Uh, but I have gone and checked trail cameras and been like, damn. I should have sat here two weeks ago when I sat in another stand because I've a canceled deer right my I've can, I canceled my subscription when shortly after season yeah. there's no sense in paying that through the summer. No. Mm. I don't know. I think uh, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Not 
to put cameras on public land, I'd be too afraid it's going to get stolen. What if you put them in your duck hole? Somebody steal it. I just changed the dynamic, didn't I? You Somebody'd thought about it for a minute. I, I, saw, I saw the wheels turn. Somebody steal it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind putting them on some of those duck boxes that we put up. That that <laughs> would be interesting. Speaking of, time, we should start having duckies. I say, out speaking of, of, I saw a hen with a bunch of biddies near one of our boxes on oh, nice. uh, Lake Eustis. Nice, nice. So, <clears throat> might be worth checking into. I got a bit of a close. One thing I want to do with the trail camera is uh, Doctor Chamberlain talked about. They've done these tests of where they have collared turkeys, and they'll call. Hunter will leave, and that turkey will come right to that tree because their hearing is so pin like pinpoint accurate. I want to do that call and stick a trick like a trail camera on that tree and just wait for it to ding on my phone. Just go sit at the truck and see how that made me so mad. That made me so mad. Oh, not if you can get it to do it more than once. Yeah, or at least give you a yeah. time frame, which that's I guess that's still as almost not fair chase enough for me. But I just I want to see it from my own eyes. You know, you're not allowed to hunt over corn, but you could. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Throw a couple kernels of corn down there. Wait for see if you get a snap. Go back the next day. Yep, yep, yep. Throw a couple kernels of corn down there. Go back when couple. you're done, you have to wait <laughs> ten days oh, after ten the corn days? is gone. Yeah. <laughs> you're, I ain't saying it's a good idea. Turkey. Yeah. Uh, I have a final thought though. Uh, we've got the bear issue coming back, mm-hmm. and I've even seen on one of the anti-bear people where they're talking about that they're going to pursue us with drones and things like that, not realizing that that's unlawful. But chatting with a few of the people kind of in the know that plan on waging this war uh, when it comes time. Uh, you, people are going to hear a whole bunch of other things, and the, and the anti folks are going to bring all kinds of bananas. There's really just three, maybe four things that this whole thing boils down to. And one is that bears were never endangered, but in Florida there was few of them at one point. But that's they're fully recovered. Like it, there's no argument. People might try to make an argument. There's no rational argument. There's no science based argument to suggest that bears. We don't have plenty of bears. We do. And the second thing is bears are a game species. That's not up for debate. Every state except Florida that has more than 1,000 bears uses regulated hunting to hunt them. So there's number one, plenty of bears. Number two, they're game species. And number three, they can certainly sustain a well-regulated hunt. That's it. No matter what anyone else or anyone outside of that argument tries to bring into the argument, it doesn't matter. I'll give you a number four. Number four, it's not a Florida black bear. It's just a black bear. I was kind of wrapped into number one. with Yeah, there's plenty yeah. of them. <laughs> I would have added number four that uh, we also maybe throw. We By giving us a hunting season, a, a well-regulated hunting season, you also add money to the conservation budget. You don't take money out. Uh, but really just keeping it one, two, three. Plenty of bears. They are game species. And they can sustain a well-regulated hunt. Well, I'll give you a number four. Number five. Or, or five. You, 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 four or five, Briar, whatever you want to call it. You're undermining the principle of three. Yeah, but bear tastes delicious. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That's part of them being a game species. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes. That's all wrapped up under number two. Three points. Two point one. Yeah. yeah. This, see, this is why I'm trying to keep it simple. 
when the antis want to go talk to the thing. Nope. Bears are recovered. They're a game species. They taste They delicious. can sustain a hunt. 100%. Briar, what do you got? <clears throat> I would say... Uh, I'm trying to... Because I want to say... Well, don't make mis- Don't be afraid to make mistakes. When I say mistakes, I mean, like, don't be afraid to get busted by the deer. You know, busted by the man, the turkey, not the man. That's the one I'm. <laughs> that was my trying to figure out how to word this. Was you know, obviously, do your best to be legal, but push the envelope. You can always learn from that mistake. Hundred percent, Brandon. I mean, we covered quite a bit on and just touching on the make mistakes not saying go out there and scream at the top of your lungs and screw everything up but if you're going to a spot that you might not have been to before or it looks a little different than what your usual setup is set up there maybe it works maybe it doesn't like it's okay for stuff not to go right because you know you're not going to do it again afterwards you'll never know so i just just go out and have fun just learn let's go see out there you're going to learn something out of everything you do. Yes. Yeah. Every time you step out there with your bow or your gun or just going out to walk, something new is going to pop up that you've not witnessed before. It's going to happen. And you might not remember it, but it's going to show up again. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that part. Well, I, I hope you guys have enjoyed this, Brandon. And I appreciate you joining us, and we'll put some links down in the podcast description so they can find you for the comedy side of hunting on TikTok if they're not already following <laughs> us. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll put your YouTube in there. Get some, get you some subscribers. Oh, yeah, man. absolutely. Oh man, they're going to subscribe and they're going to leave when they disappointed. Watch video. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to check it out later. <laughs> well, I appreciate you no, guys. I've had a really good time tonight, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate oh, you yeah, joining us, man. Great. It's fun. But we'll catch you guys next week. Adios.